0: The reading for today is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Thank you, Ashley. Good morning, Redemption. How's everyone? It's good to see you all. Uh, Welcome to Redemption Church. My name is David, eager to, to be up here. If this is your first time with us, I want to tell you a little bit about Redemption Church, who we are, what we do uh, we preach through books of the Bible, and right now we are in the book of Matthew, particularly in Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And what we're doing today is we're continuing our study in that, uh, that Sermon on the Mount. When Frank had asked me to, to preach this text, uh, one of the things that we joked Frank and I joked about was the simplicity of it. He said, um, you know, you, you, could, you could pretty much just get up there and read this text, right, love others, and just sit down. And I kind of joked, I said, all right, so then is that what we'll do is I'll just do that and we'll be done. And uh, of course, he was kidding and so was I. Some of you were like, okay, are we going to leave? <laughs> no, no, we're going we're to study God's word because the reality is, uh, although that statement in Matthew 7, 12 is pretty simplified that whatever we wish would be done to us that we should do also to others, although that's simple in concept, when you think about it, it's actually really difficult to live out. And so it warrants our time to think through it and to ask for God's help as we we think about it. The reality of that hard statement is reflective of the reality of really what we've seen so far in Matthew 5-7. through The Sermon on the Mount has been a hard section of Scripture. It's not been easy. Jesus has talked through hard topics, right? Lust, anger, uh, giving oaths, praying, justice. He's he's given us instructions on how not to judge people. It's been a heavy section. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to find ourselves at kind of the the height of this section. The the summary statement that Jesus gives in launching into the next section. So let's look at verse 12 again here. Therefore, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law of God. And the prophets. So in verse 12, the first word we see is therefore or or so, right? If you look at your your text, it says so or therefore. And one of the things that I tell my students all the time is: when you encounter that word in the biblical text, you should stop and ask yourself the question: what is the therefore therefore? It's a grammatical, it's a nerdy question, but it's for a purpose. What's the therefore therefore? If you're an English major, you know that therefores are conclusive remarks. It's It's in light of this statement before, therefore, this follows. And what Jesus does here in this particular therefore is he's referring back to the previous section in verses 7 through 11. Frank preached on last week. This was a section on prayer and God's goodness in giving us good things when we approach him in prayer. And so what Jesus does with the therefore in verse 12 is he says, therefore, just as God has been good to you as you've approached him in prayer and he's given you good things, therefore, you be good to others. It's out of a response to what God has done for us and in us that we're able to be good towards others. In fact, that's my big idea today is God's been good to you, therefore, extend his goodness to others. God's been good to you, therefore extend his goodness to others. When we talk about doing good to others, it's imperative that we frame the discussion this way, with God fundamentally at the center. Because it's then that we'll find that we're really truly able to live out what God wants for us. Because God is at the center, we respond to that. This statement is often called the golden rule. Um, The golden rule was uh, sometimes said this way, do unto others as what? Yeah, as you want done unto yourself. History alleges that one Roman emperor from the third century was so impacted by this statement that he had it inscribed in gold on the the walls of his chamber in in like a way to remind himself of this. And so thus the, the golden rule is titled this. I remember as a kid, my dad would explain the golden rule to me, and I heard it as a kid over and over and over, not just from mom and dad, but just in in life in general. Did did you all grow up hearing the golden rule? It was such a common thing that it was was talked about. It's one of those things that gets repeated so much that I think in its repetition, it can sometimes not lose its meaning, but we're prone in its repetition to, to misunderstand it or misconceive it, Right? There's a number of things like that in life. There are misconceptions that we hear over and over, and we just sort of assume this about them. There's some common misconceptions. First one, sugar makes kids hyper. This is a common misconception. Some of you are like, says the guy with no kids. (laughs) Uh, You you should have been at my house on Halloween, right? Sugar makes kids hyper. That's not necessarily true, though. It, it, It can be the case, but that's not always the case. A second misconception is that chameleons change colors to camouflage themselves it's not actually true they change in response to communication and light um, and in different contexts and temperature as well but they don't change necessarily to like they wouldn't turn black to or brown to match this object they change in terms of light and other things another misconception is that coffee is made from beans it's not true And some of you are looking very skeptically at me because you know I don't drink coffee. And you're like, what does this guy know about coffee? It's made from seeds. It's it's actually made from seeds. Um, Other misconceptions. You can see the Great Wall of China from space. Not true. Bats can't see. Not true. Uh, Bears eat beets. False. Uh, People only use 10% of their brains. That might actually be true. Um... (laughs) At any rate, you, you, guys, you guys get the point, right? Stuff like this is such common knowledge, it gets, under, it gets misunderstood, and the golden rule is no exception. It's been misunderstood, and I think minimized to the point of, track with me here, simply don't hurt others, right? Don't hurt others. I saw something on social media the other day that said this. I want to read it to you, and I have it on the screen here. It says this, love who you want, wear what you want, Eat what you want, act how you want, just do you, as long as you aren't hurting anyone. Yikes! This, for many people, is the standard way of operating. You do you, just don't impose on my self standards. Don't don't cause harm to me, and 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 I won't cause harm to you. You know where this leads, friends? Total apathy. Total disconnectedness, total disengagement, to complete isolation and eventual indifference, right? This is what leads to people seeing someone in need and saying, well, I better not step into that because, you know, that's not any of my business and I don't want to engage there. As long as I don't hurt anybody This is what makes people, when there's somebody being assaulted, they pull out their cell phone and they take a video of it, right? This is the kind of thinking that just says, well, as long as I don't hurt others then I'm fine. This is insane, and it's a misunderstanding of the golden rule. Now, where does that, where does that misunderstanding uh, uh, spurn out of? It spurns out of our desire to want to protect ourselves because we love ourselves, right? We want to protect ourselves. Now, I want to be clear. Protecting ourselves, self-preservation, isn't necessarily wrong, right? We, we know that it's okay to love ourselves. In fact, Jesus acknowledges this in the text. He says, Whatever that you wish others would do to you, he acknowledges that reality, that that we love ourselves. And that's why we have things that we love ourselves with, things that we serve ourselves with. That's why we invent things that will serve us. Things like air conditioning, things like first aid kits or seat belts or pumpkin spice latte. Like we love, it's obvious, we love ourselves. And Jesus acknowledges that. And then he says this. That as we love ourselves, he doesn't condemn us for that, we must extend the arrow in the other direction also. Not just here, but, but out as well. He says, do that, the way you love yourself, do that also to them. All those ways that you love yourself, those are the ways that you should love and serve others. Now, notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say you have to stop loving yourself. I want that to sink in for a second. Notice he doesn't say that you have to stop loving yourself. Why? Well, that would be impossible. We couldn't do that. There's no way that we could stop loving ourselves. But here's what happens. When we misunderstand the golden rule, guilt starts to set in, and we start to think, if I could just stop loving myself, I could be a better Christian. If I could just completely cut off my love for myself, then then I wouldn't be such an awful, I'd be a better person to others, right? Friends, that's not the good news of the gospel. That's guilt saying something false about you. The reality is, is we could never, ever stop loving ourselves. And the guilt that comes on us from that is just religious rules, And religious rules, they don't don't seek to to build us up. Religious rules just close in like they bury us alive, suffocating our desire for God and for one another. Think there's this scene in uh, the first Star Wars. And you're laughing at me because you know I don't watch movies really, but I saw this one, okay? The walls are closing. uh, I think it's Luke Skywalker, Chewbacca, and... Some of the other main characters, Han Solo, I think his name is. Um, and they get into this pit of, of, it's like a trash compactor. You guys know what I'm talking about? And there's snakes. And it's, I saw it as a seven or eight-year-old, and it scared the fire out of me. I was like, why are we watching this? And the trash compactor walls are starting to close in around this, this team of, of Star Wars heroes. That is the picture that I feel like when I think of religious rules. They just close in around, like they're, 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 they suffocate us. They're like snakes coming up after us, monsters out of this soupy garbage pit. Friends, that's what it feels like to try and obey religious rules. And Jesus has been addressing this reality in the Sermon on the Mount so far. Religious rules can't save you. Jesus' opponents, the professional religious people, the Pharisees, they had taught... The opposite of Jesus. They had taught that religious rules could save you. And this is what Jesus was countering in his Sermon on the Mount. They had said, obey the rules. All the rules. In the Old Testament, it gave clear and specific instructions for holy living. But the Pharisees had took those and they said, if you really want to be accepted, if you really want to be part of God's people, if you really want to know what it means to, to live a good life, you'll do all of these perfectly. But the reality was, no. Israelite could do those things perfectly. No Israelite could actually live up to them. No Israelite could fulfill what the Old Testament required. And that's what makes Jesus' words here so significant. He says, for this is the law and the prophets. That latter part of verse 12. For this is the law and the prophets. What did he mean by this? Well, the law and the prophets was referring to the entire Old Testament. And Earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this in Matthew five seventeen: Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus says that his role was to complete what every human before him and what every human after him could not complete. Obedience to God's righteous requirements. Even if you think, oh, I could live up to that. Even if you think, I could, I could live the, 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 the good life and be at least near perfect. The reality is, you couldn't. You couldn't. Uh, I had, this, I had this, friend, this this girlfriend in high school, and uh, she was Catholic. And she had a, a very little sister, and I remember one Sunday, I asked her how uh, how church was for, for her and her family. And she kind of chuckled, and she, she said, my my little sister went into confession, and I, she must have been at the time five or six. I'm not sure. And she came out, and with this sort of grinning look on her face. And they said, "How did it? You know, how did it go?" And she said, um, "Good. I told the priest that I didn't have any sins today, and so I confessed all of yours for you." <laughs> <laughs> the the reality is, this little girl very sweet, very cute, but unaware of her own sinfulness. Unaware that we all are, uh, in, in, I would say, inherently sinful, embedded with sin. But the good news is, is that if we belong to Jesus, we are free in Christ because why? He has forgiven us of our sins. If we have been forgiven by Christ we can then extend forgiveness and grace and kindness for others. And it's when we recognize that goodness and kindness that God has given us that we will then start thinking, well, God is for us, so then I can be for other people. That's the the point of this text is since God our Father is for us, since we can approach him and ask, seek, knock, we then can also go to others and we can ask them, hey, how are you doing? I care about you. We can seek out needs that need to be met. We can knock and pursue people that are in need. It's out of a response to what God has done in us that we then extend our grace and God's love towards others. Since God has dealt bountifully with us, we then respond in kindness to others. And this is, the, like I said, the main point today, over and over and over. I want for this to be the, the main thing that we take home, is that since God has been good to you, extend his goodness to others. This conduct isn't determined by how people treat us, but by how God treats us. Do you see the, do you see the distinction there? The, the cultural golden rule says, just be good to others, you know, because they're going to be good to you. Well, the, It's not always the case, is it? The cultural golden rule is a a misconception. The golden rule that Jesus gives is out of a response to God's goodness for you. Then you also extend goodness to others. When we frame it this way, we will focus on what Jesus has done for us, not on what the golden rule requires from us, and we will then become a blessing to those around us. Track with that again. When we focus on what Jesus has done for us, not on what the golden rule requires from us, that's, the, that's the, the tendency that we have to be religious and think, oh, I've got to live up to this law. When we focus on Jesus and not the rule, we will become a blessing to those around us. Now, this sounds really great. Like, okay, I, I, want, it, I want that. But how do we get there? The short answer, and we're going to look at the longer answers later with some more practical application, but the short theological answer is by drawing near to God. How do we get there by, by drawing near to God? This is fundamentally about knowing and being in close relationship with Jesus. Through prayer, through scripture, through community, these three elements, through them, we can experience a depth of God's love and care for us, that when you experience it you guys know what I'm talking about it's indescribable when we draw near to god we we have these moments where we sense god like at work in, it's hard to put words to this but you, you you know what I'm talking about those moments when you're near to god and you just you kind of go mm, god's love is for me it's it's this like manifested special presence of God on us that it's, you you think, man, I was in a pit and God rescued me. Or I was in great need and God met my needs. Do Do you know those moments? Those are the moments that we will get excited to serve others. Now, those moments don't just happen out of nowhere. Those moments are predicated upon closeness with God through prayer, reading his word, and in community with others. A.W. Pink says it this way. He says, only by dwelling in, not paying occasional visits to the secret place of the Most High, will my heart be prepared to act becomingly toward my neighbor. It is only by communion with him who is both light and love that a spirit of righteousness and grace will actuate me in my relations with others. What A.W. Pink is saying is simply this. Our proximity to God determines our purposeness towards others. Our proximity to God will determine our purposedness towards others. And it's, in, it's when we remember that that God is for us that we will more naturally be for others. Now, the reality of this is it's hard. It's really hard. And Jesus doesn't shy away from that reality. Look back at the text of verse 13. He talks about how hard this is. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Friends, the reality is that Jesus says, serving and loving your neighbor as you would want to be served and loved, it's difficult it's difficult, it's not easy. The, the, the wide way says what? We looked at it earlier. Love, what, love who you want, wear what you want, eat what you want, do what you want. Just don't hurt others. That's, the, that's actually the wide way. Because that leads to destruction. You can think, oh, I'm, I'm not hurting others by just doing whatever I want, but the reality is that's not true. You could, you could think that, but that's not actually the case. The selfishness inherent in that kind of of way of operating is inevitably going to create what Jesus says is destruction. Destruction. The narrow way, by contrast, is difficult. It's difficult. It's not easy to love and to serve others. Those of you who have been loved and served at any point in your life, you know that those who loved and served you They did it out of self-sacrifice. They did it, and it wasn't always easy for them. Parents, you get this, right? You sacrifice for your kids. Kids are challenging. I'm not saying anything negative about kids, but they're challenging. They require of us a, a, a willingness to go down the narrow path. Now, what's so hard about the narrow path is as we're walking the narrow path, loving and serving others, there's this tendency to want to sort of like dip our foot on the other side, you know? When we were studying for this this text collectively, the pastors of Redemption Church at large, Tim, the lead pastor at uh, Gateway, he said this, I thought it was really helpful. He said, the edges of the narrow path are often worn down by Christians who want to dip their toe over the side. Why? Well, because we know that the 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 outside of the narrow path, the wide path is easier. It's easier. So it's almost like we want to get closer to that, that that wider side, away from the narrow edges of it. But Jesus says that there is great reward in acknowledging God's goodness for us and extending that goodness towards others. Now, how do we do that? Well, one of the key themes of the, of the New Testament and uh, also of Frank's preaching is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Loving and serving others is not easy, and so we can't just on our own like figure it out and become better people. Some people might say that, but the reality is, is we're always, in that mentality, we're always going to be selfish. We must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit because it is He that gives us power to become more like Jesus. This theme is really common in the New Testament. And if you've been at Redemption Church for any length of time, you you know also this is a regular theme that comes out in Frank's preaching. It's one of Frank's four main themes. First theme, hockey, right? Chicago Blackhawks, and now, by extension, Chicago Cubs. Two, Cheetos. (laughs) Three, The Godfather, or any movies in general. And more seriously, the, the theme of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells you, Christian. It guides you. And the Holy Spirit is the one equipping us to become more and more like Jesus. And friends, when we think about loving others, we need this. We need this power from the Holy Spirit because, like I said, the wide way is easy. You don't need the Holy Spirit in the wide way. The narrow way is hard. We need Holy Spirit, to empower us and to guide us in this. This is especially the case when we think about the fact that not only are we called to love others, but we're called to love our enemies, those that we don't like. Uh, related to loving hard people, G.K. Chesterton says this, the Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies, probably because generally they are the same people. <laughs> I posted this as I was studying for the sermon this week. I posted it on Facebook, and my next-door neighbor commented on it. <laughs> Interesting. That's all she wrote. Interesting. I thought, oh, no. <laughs> she thinks I'm talking about her. And so I wrote back. I said, no, I didn't intend this towards anybody. This was just something I found in my studies. It wasn't, and, and, and she was, I think, teasing. She knew that it wasn't about her. We love, Lydia and I love her and her husband. They're great folks. At any rate, the Bible is clear that it is out of a response to God's goodness that we extend His goodness to others. So let's talk about application. Let's kind of shift gears here and move into, well, how do we do this? Like, what does this look like? Give this some feet. How do we take this from being a concept and putting it into action? Well, there are a number of ways. There are a number of ways. And the ways that I'm going to mention are not the only ways that we love our neighbor. Because if you think about it, really, it's virtually endless, the, the ways that we can love our neighbor is, is the, the, there's no possible end to it. And so the, the instruction that Jesus gives here in 12 through 14 is that in loving our neighbor and walking the narrow path, the, 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 the difficult way, what we're finding is that we can then apply that to almost any situation. It doesn't matter what the specifics of it is. It's like a, anybody have a multi-tool? Guys, you know a multi-tool? It's got... It's got a knife. Yeah, I got one hand. That's good. Uh, it's got a knife. It's got a screwdriver. It's got scissors. And, you know, it's, it's like the ultimate Boy Scout tool. You can use it for anything. That's essentially what this section of scripture is today. It can be used towards anything. That said, I don't want to just say, go out and love your neighbor and not give any specifics. I think there's some important things that we should drill into. Things like this. Tell your kids that you love them and you, you believe in them. Right? Like, I, you, can, you can do, I, I believe in you. You can do this. That blesses, just like you want to be told someone believes in you, tell that to others. Uh, assume the best about people, especially family members that are difficult. The holidays are coming up, and challenges will come. Assume the best about people, because why? God gives you his best. Not just that you want people to assume the best about you, although you do want that, but because God has given you his best, right? Right? Other things. Send an encouraging text. Leave a note that compliments your spouse. Um, how about this, friends? Intentionally listen to your Democrat or Republican friend. I mean this. As as difficult as this might seem, listen to them. Let them explain to you why they're voting the way they're going to vote. And maybe, if, if the context is right, maybe you can contribute why you're going to vote the way you're going to vote. But I would say refrain from that and just listen. Just listen. One of the reasons our nation feels so divided right now is because we don't seem to exhibit a willingness to listen to one another. Just listen. Um, There are other ways, and what I'm so thankful for is to have the opportunity to preach this text on a day like today because we have... Um, Through the, the Alongside Ministry team being here, we have the opportunity to look at real immediate ways that we can get, as a church, not just individual ways in our homes, but as a church, we can love and serve our neighbor and walk the narrow and difficult road. You guys know from Josh being up here, Josh is regularly leading us in initiatives towards loving and caring for our neighbor, being with and helping refugee families settle being with and helping foster families and adopting families uh, get kids out of the system and into well-placed, healthy, functioning, established homes. Likewise, we have the opportunities to plug in with alongside ministries that they go into the prisons and we go with them to mentor, to preach, to teach, to love. Why? Not because we feel bad, like we're in this duty or obligation, but because God has been good to us. Christian, remember that you were once a refugee and God welcomed you in. Remember that you were once on the outside of God's family and he adopted you into his family. Christian, remember that you were once imprisoned to your own sin and God, through Christ, set you free from sin and is now walking alongside of you in Christ. That's the whole point of this, friends, that Jesus is the one who frees us to then be with others, for others. Not to do good for the sake of doing good, but to do good because God has been good to us. This is fundamentally about Jesus and focusing on him. When we focus on what Jesus has done for us, not what the golden rule requires from us, we will then be equipped to be a blessing to those around us. As we close, I want to share an email that I got not even 24 hours ago. I got an email from someone in our church thanking the church for the care that that we as a church have provided for them in a time of need. This person had recently undergone surgery and was unable to care for themselves. Uh, This person is a a single member of our church. And it left them, after surgery, left them in a place of partial dependence on others. And so this person sends this email and says this, hi, David. Could you please pass this along to the staff? Literally, not even 24 hours ago I got this. Could you pass this along to the staff, elders and deacons? I've been coming to Redemption Arcadia for about two years now, and I've been blown away by the teaching and the emphasis on community. Recently, I had to undergo surgery. Afterwards, my recovery left me unable to care for myself completely. I cannot begin to say thank you for the prayers that my church community has offered, as well as for the support with food errands, and other everyday things that I needed help with. I didn't share with many people how nervous I was about the surgery, but through the love, prayers, and support from my community at Redemption Church Arcadia and through my faith, I'm on my way to being back to my normal self. As a single person in the church, knowing that I can count on my church to help means more than words can express. Thank you. I called this person almost immediately. I said, I've got to ask for your permission to share this email tomorrow morning. And they said, yeah, that's fine. I share this email to encourage you all. Redemption Arcadia, this is who we are. This is our vibe. This is what we do as a community is we care for those around us. Why? Not just because we feel bad that they had surgery or they were in need. We care because... God has cared for us. We are recipients of and extenders of God's grace and God's love and God's kindness to others. And when we understand our identity as such, recipients of and extenders of, these kinds of emails will become all all the more the norm. Why? Because when we act out of our identity of being for Uh, Having God for us, we will then be for others. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you came and that because of your atoning death for our sin, God the Father is for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you indwell us to uh, love others, even when it's difficult, even when it's self sacrificial. We pray that you would continue to bless our efforts to uh, not just work for the sake of works, but to love because you loved us. And as a response to that, God, the, the desire of our hearts is to reach out and to love others because of your goodness. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.